Well, let's stand to your feet and let's get ready to uh, go into the word of the Lord. And while you're standing, go ahead and turn to uh, Philippians uh, chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two, verses three down to verse number 11. Philippians chapter number two. Verses three down to verse number 11. When you get there, you can say amen. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that in at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and of those in heaven, and of those on the earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we study. Teach us, O oh God, what we need to know, what you intend for us to know. Father, that we might be more complete in you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we give ourselves, Lord God, and we approach, Father, the word of the Lord with an attitude of not only just hearing the word of the Lord, but doing the word of God. So, Lord God, let that be a reality in us. And for every person, God, that positions himself or herself to hear with the intent on obeying, I pray, God, that you will double their blessing. In other words, Lord, affirm, Father God, when we choose to obey you, knowing that on the other side of that obedience is a great reward for God's people. So, Lord God, as usual, take me, use me for your glory. And, Lord, we will we will give you the glory. We will give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence this morning. We are continuing our series entitled Cheer Up. And by way of recap, we begin the series by talking about worry. We had discovered in that particular message that worry is a choice. Jesus did not want us to worry. And we talked about how the, uh, we talked about the consequences of worry, that if we give in to the spirit of worry, so many other negative things can happen. We also, last week, we talked about bouncing back from defeat, how that each and every one of us, if we keep on living in this life, you're going to suffer setbacks. You're going to have those moments in time where you are going to be challenged. Things will not turn out the way that you would want them to turn out. That does happen from time to time, and, but we really talked about the attitude that we must maintain, 
that all things work together for good for those who love God. And so this is what we believe. And so no matter how many times we fall, how many know that righteous will get back up? Amen. And so today I want to uh, continue in this series. I want to talk uh, about encouraging others through serving. Now, first uh, two parts of this series really focus on your emotional health. But this morning, I want you to come out of yourselves for a moment, for at least the entirety of this message. And I want to ask, I want to kick this message off by asking you a question. How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you need to be encouraged? Raise your hand. Wow, look at that. Well, I want you to know this morning that God got a word for you. I'm going to give you the key to being a person that is encouraged. Now, in order to do that, I first got to draw from the realities which about we are surrounded with every day. It is obvious that we live in a society that is self-serving at its core. A generation that it seems more and more as we approach the return of Christ, this generation team seems to focus more on taking rather than giving. We live in a generation that don't really understand the power of serving. In fact, if you read your Bible, 2 Timothy, I believe, chapter 3, talks about that in the last days, men would be lovers of themselves. And so when you go on and you read that particular passage of scripture, there's a whole lot there that is really rooted and grounded in selfishness. Now, I'm going to talk about selfishness this morning. And before you check off the bus, the bus I, I want you to hold on just for a second. I don't want you to get off because I'm about to help you get free this morning. How many of you want to be free this morning? How many know that we really, really don't begin to serve God, hear me, until we get the revelation on serving one another? We really don't. You have not begun to, to serve God until you and I get the revelation about serving other people. How many know to serve God is to serve people? How many have made the statement, man, I'm, I'm a servant of the Lord? You know what you just said when you said that? I'm a servant of God's people. And a lot of people, and now, now hear me, in our generation, there's a lot of folks that have become more and more self-focused. How many know that when you become self-focused, you really kind of lose your way and you experience the, the, the opposite of joy and happiness? How many know that everything about our faith teaches us to live it outwardly? Are, are you listening to me this morning? Everything about Christianity is always about the other person. What is good for somebody else? And so what we have experienced today is that, that, that people are, are more selfishly motivated. And because they're selfishly motivated, they're not really happy. Now, I want you to stay with me for a moment. Because they have bought into the lie. How many know that Satan is a liar? They have bought into the lie that is more blessed to receive than it is to give. Now, how many know that the devil always perverts everything that God teaches? The devil always takes pieces. He takes shades. He, he, he all, I mean, he'd been doing it from the beginning, right? You remember Adam and Eve and in the garden, you know, did God really say that? Of course God said that. 
But Satan always parse God's word. He's, he's a manipulator. He always manipulates. He takes bits and pieces enough so that it looks right, it feels right, and so we buy into it. But how many know that real happiness, and I'm going to make a statement, for some of us it's going to shake us a little bit, but real happiness, watch this, is to stop thinking about yourself. Now, for some of you, that rubbed you the wrong way because everything about your human nature tells you to focus on me. Am I right about it? So we've been trained, we've been equipped, and we've been, been motivated to, to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, and it's all about you. And when I say all about you, I mean it's all about you. And people, let me tell you something. People who are more inward focused, hear me, this is a fact. People who are inward focused tend to be, watch this, less happy, come on, more depressed, more worried. Oftentimes they lack destiny and purpose because they don't understand that you find your destiny and purpose in serving others. Are you hearing me? All right? So they're less forgiving and they're more bitter and they complain often. Why? Because it's all about what I want. It's all about me. And I, I laugh sometimes because I hear sometimes these, these millionaires, you know, they, they'll, they'll say, uh, oh, man, I'm going to give X amount of dollars to charity. You know, and boy, it really sounds good, right? But, you know, in actuality, they're not doing it because they care about the charity. They're doing it because they get a tax break and they want to keep more for themselves. I want to get you off of yourself. How many know God knows your heart? That all of life, hear me, all of life, I know this is a hard word, but if you catch this revelation, your life will never, ever be the same. You will always be encouraged. You will always be encouraged, but the key to it is to get your mind off of yourself. People, how many know that there have been many people who have gained money and power, oftentimes, they realize that money and power is not enough. Did y'all hear me? Many people, many have gained money and power. How many know? And they realize, man, it, it's, this, this is not enough. How many people, how many examples have we seen people who have been duped and people who have been deceived and they thought, man, if I get all the money that I can get, that somehow I'm good. But here's the problem. They, they get all the money they can get, and it's like that man in the Bible. The Bible says that, that he woke up one morning, he saw that all he had, and he said, so take your ease, be happy, because you got a whole bunch. Store it all up for yourself. And God said, you're a fool. Because he didn't get that revelation. And so a lot of people, it takes time to get it, but you, know, you look at people like uh, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. How many know who those folks are? I mean, they, they got more money than you can shake a stick at. And they have figured it out. It took a little time. They figured out, man, that the only way to really be happy is to add value to somebody else. I want you to understand something this morning, church. We were designed at the core to serve. I hear this. One of the reasons why people want to commit suicide, they have an emotional problem. I'm not saying all the time, but part, part of the reason, when a person is in that way, they are inward focused. That's why you got to get them out of that, right? You got to get them out of that way of thinking because it's a dangerous place to be. But when we come to the place that we understand that I exist to serve 
I'm designed to serve. I am designed to think about other people's needs, even, watch this, even if the means that I have to sacrifice a little bit for the betterment of somebody else. How many know you are blessed? You see, and unfortunately, even the church is somewhat confused about this. <laughs> for many, for example, um, pastors haven't done a great job in this area. Because I, it seems to me that the churches that are most packed are the churches that is promoting kind of a, a selfishness and, and, and an attitude that, has, that is anti-Christ. Y'all know what I mean. In other words, they, they, they are crafting messages designed to cater to people's selfish desires, come on, rather than inspiring them to be more like Christ. And so you have, watch this now, now, now stay with me, because I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. And so we have people who are leaders in the kingdom of God who send a very wrong message because the message that they're sending, whether or not they want to believe it or not, sometimes is that it's all about getting all the stuff I can get for myself right now instead of how do I figure out a way to be a blessing to somebody else? How can I figure out a way to advance somebody else? How many know that's what pleases the heart of God? Because it's when we come off of ourselves, it's when we focus on what's really important, and that is what's important to God. We focus on people, other people. How I many know it makes all the difference in the world? And I, wanna, I want to foster a culture of encouragement in the house. How I many know charity begins at home? You know, if you raise up kids and your kids are disrespectful at home, what do you think the chances are that your kids would be disrespectful out there too? I'm preaching, I'm just talking to myself. How many know charity begin at home? You got to train them up now in the way 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 they're supposed to go, you know, and then that's going to have an influence on them. How many know that as Christians, we got to learn how to serve and be an encouragement? It starts right here in the house of God. It starts right here, and then it works itself out into the community. Now, in Philippians chapter number 2, I want to kind of highlight some things that Jesus said in this particular verse. Philippians chapter 2 is really, it's a loaded book. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it is, it is rich. For those who, are, who love scripture, who love to chew on the fat, I'm telling you, Philippians chapter 2 is rich. I mean, it's powerful. It's some good stuff. So I want to summarize some of the things that Jesus said in this particular passage. You still with me? Say Amen. The first thing Jesus says, he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. All right? He said, let nothing be done for selfish ambition. In other words, this is what we don't want. Listen, what's in it for me? You ever seen people think that way? Man, well, it's not wrong with knowing what's in it for you. But if you don't want to have nothing to do with anything because it ain't nothing in it for you, how many know that's the wrong attitude when it comes to serving? That's how some people, man, what's in it for me? Well, if it ain't nothing in it for me, I don't want nothing to do with it. Aren't you glad, how many of you are glad Jesus didn't think that way? Aren't you glad that he was thinking about us? Come on, somebody. He was, all he thought about was us. 
And whether we can respond or not and do what, he, what, we, what, what we were supposed to do, how many know he still loved you anyway? He still cares about you anyway. And Jesus is not there saying, oh, what can you do for me? How many know he loves you unconditionally? How many know that's a good God? So he, Paul says here that let nothing be done through selfish ambition. In other words, be motivated by how you can benefit others through what you do. Then he goes on in verse number three. He says, esteem others as better than yourselves. How many know that none of us ought to think more highly of ourselves than we are? You know, if you're not careful, you'll get the blessing. Come on, somebody. God will bless your life. And all of a sudden, man, and some of, us, some of us know what it's really like to be poor. How many of you grew up really poor? I mean, I, I, I know what it's like. And, and let me tell you something. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, when God starts blessing you with houses and cars and God starts just good jobs, you know, if you're not careful, you'll ride and look down on some other folk because they ain't where you are. And how many know you got to catch your, you got to train yourself? Listen, and the added, let me tell you, all of our attitude must be this. The, to the bum on the street, the guy that's sitting there looking, you know, toe up and messed up. Our attitude is to be, brother, whatever you need. Well, do you need a hamburger? I'll help you because it could have been me. Many of us don't believe that. How many know, how many believe that it could have been you on the side of the corner this morning? It could have, every time, every crazy person that you see that's out of his mind, I'm here to tell you, if it wasn't for the grace of God, many of us would be just like that. I can say it for myself. If it, was, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be in a bad place. So what Paul was saying, esteem others as better than yourself. In other words, don't think highly, don't think too highly of yourself. Have a disposition of humility that no matter who, who it is. How many know God, I hate this when people say that people are trash. You ever hear people, oh man, they're white trash. How many know people are not trash? Because you're made in the image of God. And sometimes, listen, sometimes life hits people different ways. And I've come to understand in life, the longer I live, I become more humble and I begin to shed tears. I begin to weep because, yeah, part of it is, God, why wasn't that me? But yet, we, if we're not careful, we will get up on our high horse, ride in our real nice car, and look and keep on going like, like we did something really special. How do we know that? Jesus owned it all. And he didn't walk around like that, did he? He says, look not out for, look not out for your own interests, but also the interests of other people. That means, here's the attitude we must have. We're talking about serving and encouraging other people. That our interests should not just be about ourselves, but anytime I think about myself and what God is doing in my life, it, whether it be a job, whether it be some occupation, whether some activity, here's what I need to be thinking. How can that benefit somebody else? What I'm doing? How can I, in other words, think about the interests of other people? You know, sometimes you hear people say, well, I don't have time for that. I got enough problems on my own. See, that's a problem. Because you'll find out that oftentimes your problem gets fixed when you start looking out for the interests of other people. This is how God works. I am convinced that many of God's people are in trouble because they won't learn that lesson. 
And so we keep roaming around, ever learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth, all right? Never really getting it, never really understand, understanding that, that God is wanting us to, to come outside of ourselves and be, and, and be like Christ. How many know to be like Christ, I mean, it changes everything about you. Everything. God's number one agenda is not to give you a better car, a car, not to give you a big job, not to give you a career, not to give you a 401k, 401k. Not saying I'm against any of those things, but that's not, you think that's God, anybody in here believe that's God's number one agenda for your life? Raise your hand. I didn't think nobody raised your hand. God's number one agenda is to conform us, watch this, to the image of Christ. Right? That's his number one agenda, to make us more like Christ. So then, when he says in verse number five and seven, look at verses five and seven. He says, look at this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, think like Jesus, be like Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, that's another way of saying that Jesus was God in flesh, but made of himself of no reputation. Look at this church taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now, I don't know about you, but that is pretty significant. You think about God in his glory, and I don't think we will really fully realize until we see him. But we see him in all of his glory and all of his splendor. Some of us need to pray like Isaiah. When Isaiah saw the Lord, the Bible said Isaiah fell down. He said, oh, my, he, he saw the Lord's glory, and God showed it to him. The brother fell down, started confessing sin. He looked, he saw that glory. He couldn't stay up on two feet. He realized how, and, and, and his whole thing is, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? All of that glory, how many know Jesus left it? He left it. He allowed himself to be beaten and abused by the, his very own creation. Rich, owns it all. He humbled himself. And understand, it wasn't just an act. This is the nature of God. Everybody say nature. This is his nature. His nature is one of humility. Jesus didn't walk around, listen to me, when Jesus was on earth, he didn't walk around beating his chest, saying, I'm going to be the king up in here, and everybody just needs to obey me. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus, the Bible said he made of himself no reputation. In other words, he wasn't self-serving. He made of himself of no reputation. This is the mind of Christ, all right? He made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself, took on the form of a bond servant. And doing this all the while, knowing that he is God. Knowing it. Knowing that he is God, and yet in all of that, he humbled himself. Now, what is the reward of that? Now, let's, 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 let's keep on looking at this for a moment. The Bible says in verse number 9, because of Jesus' attitude, watch this church, stay with me. Because of Jesus' attitude, the Bible says God highly exalted him. Everybody say highly. And giving him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Everything going to bow and everything going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How many know that is Paul, Apostle Paul's way of saying that when we adopt the mindset of God, 
Will we have the attitude of, of Christ? What was his attitude? Christ constantly came to serve, right? He was always looking for the interests of other people. Everything Jesus did, think about it. He was always thinking about, how can I benefit you? How can I help you? Jesus wasn't self-serving. He wasn't beating his chest. He, you know, anytime you have somebody that just, you know, just want to rule, want to be in charge, you ever met people like, they just want to rule. I want to be in charge. But be careful with folk like that. Because what do you want to be in charge? Because being in charge means what? Sacrifice. Being in charge means service. Being in charge means uh, inconvenience. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like those adjectives? <laughs> See, we got a long ways to go, don't we? All right? And so, so this is the mind of Christ. And so what he's saying is that if we adopt that same mindset, God will exalt us. How many know the Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and then he'll do what? He'll, he'll lift you up. So Paul is saying, if we get the mind of Christ, who took on the form of a servant. In other words, he wasn't thinking about himself, all right? If you walked in this morning and you felt discouraged, then you know what you should do? Find somebody to encourage and watch how the boomerangs back on you. That's God's way. So understand, Paul was saying, if we have the mind of Christ, you know, that God will bless that. How I many know God will bless them when we're thinking about other people? And, 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 and that's, that's across the board. I'm not, you know, everybody, we, we all have no people that, that suck all the air out of the room and it's just all about them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a mindset that is genuinely, genuinely caring about other people. In other words, how can I be an encouragement to you? How can I be somebody to help you in your journey? How can I take what God has given me to help advance your life? How many know you'll find your blessing there? I, I promise you, you, your life will never be the same. If you haven't met somebody, come on, honestly. Maybe it was a, 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 a friend, a boyfriend, a former, some, you know, of somebody you know at the office. But you haven't met somebody that is just completely selfish, that is just all about them. Everything they do, they got a motive. You know what that motive is? Them. How many know that that's unattractive? You ever, if you ever met somebody, man, that all they do is think about themselves, it's all about them. They, they care, but they have no regard for nobody else. They don't think about, they don't even care. All they want is what they can get for themselves. How many of you like people like that? Nobody. I mean, it's like, man, man, you're like a disease. Stay away from me. Yet, all the time, we adopt certain actions and attitudes if we're not careful. Matthew 20, verse 27 through 28 says this powerful verse. Can I just make this statement? Servants are the greatest. Do y'all believe that? Servants are the greatest. Now if you're sitting here this morning and this word don't get you excited, let it be an indication where you are spiritually. I should be getting more amens on this message than I got in any other message I preach. Because it deals with the core of who we are. This is what Jesus did, right? He served. Servants are the greatest. See, we don't like that picture because we see servants, man. We see sacrifice, right? We see hard work. We see being inconvenienced. We see you chewing up my time. Come on, am I right about it? But how many of you want to be more like Christ? Come on, tell the truth. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? Don't say it if you don't really mean it. Because to be more like Jesus, you've got to give more. 
How many know there's always room for improvement? Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? He says in Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 and 28, he says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to, be, to become great among you, is there anybody who want to be great? He said, Let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, watch this, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, Jesus was our example, right? But to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. How many know that greatness is found in serving? Now, so what we're doing is we're peeling back. We're peeling back this morning your freedom. We're peeling back. You see, see, if you want joy, if you want happiness, if you want peace, hear me, serve other people. Look out for the interests of others and watch what God will do. How many know the Bible says you'll reap what you sow? That's a spiritual principle, right? So if you want joy, what do you all to do? Sow it. If you want peace, what should you, what should you do? Sow it. So whatever you desire from other people, sow it, and God will bring it back. Somehow, someway, it will come back to you. Because how many know there are spiritual principles in, in the earth that God has already sanctioned? Now, it says in Acts 20, 35, I mentioned this a little bit ago. I'm going, to, I'm going to mention this again. In Acts 20, 35, he says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And this is the Apostle Paul reciting what Jesus said, quoting, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said. Everybody say, he said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, 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 now hold on for a second. I don't need to teach you this morning that it's a blessing to receive. Am I right about it? Man, because y'all already know, because y'all get a blessing, y'all go, well, the Lord done blessed me. How many of you got a blessing you want to tell everybody? Oh, man, the Lord, well, I'm blessed. The Lord blessed me. The Lord blessed me real good. I mean, he, just, he blessed me. He blessed me. Listen, it is a blessing to receive. It's a blessing. It's a good thing. I mean, when God blesses you, man, it, and he gives you stuff, and he helps you, and I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Would anybody agree with that? That's a good thing. Great. I'm not knocking that. The Bible says it is it's blessed. It is a blessing to receive. I, have no, I don't have to teach you that because when you get the blessing, you let everybody know. You're jumping, you're screaming, you're shouting, hallelujah. I've seen you dance. I've seen you shout, hallelujah. But I don't see much people dancing and shouting, hallelujah, about somebody else who got a blessing. Now, hold on, hold on for a second. Hold on. But, but, but. He, so, so watch this. What he didn't say is that it's not a blessing to receive. It is a blessing to receive. But here's what he did say. He said, it's more. Everybody say more. more. It's more blessed to give, watch this, than receive. All right? So here's what he's saying, church, that as, as much as you think that you are blessed from receiving from God, listen to me. He says, it is more. Everybody say more. more. He said, it's more of a blessing to give. Do you follow me? So here's a follow-up question. How many of you want more blessing? Come on, raise your hand. You want more blessing? More. Give. He says that's how you get more. Everybody say more. more. Okay? So now, so I got a few minutes. So I want to do this. So how many of you know about the man Barnabas in the Bible, in, in the book of Acts? Barnabas, let me tell you about Barnabas. So I'm going to give you some practical ways of encouraging and serving other people. I'm going to give you some practical ways. You know, I'm very, very, I'm a practitioner. 
So I want you to get it, and I want you to put it into practice. I want you to prove the word of God this morning. So Barnabas was a, uh, his name, watch this, his name uh, is called Son of Encouragement. In other words, in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, we don't have time to turn there, uh, he is introduced to us, his name is Joses, but um, he was surnamed or nicknamed Barnabas by the apostles. You know, why, would, why did they nickname him Barnabas? Because the brother was an encourager. So in other words, man, Barnabas was one of those guys <laughs> that, that every time people came around, I mean, people just want to hook up with Barnabas. Man, I, I want to, Barnabas was just an encourager. He'd be one of those guys that was just always inspiring. He was always caring. He was always sharing. And you ever been around somebody like that, man, where they just encourage you and all you just want to hang on them? I mean, you want to hang on to every word. Anybody ever had anybody in their life like that? Do you know anybody like that? Man, they're just an encourager. Man, you know, every time you turn around, man, they just always doing. Barnabas was so good at this that they nicknamed the boy Son of Encouragement. How many know that if you get nicknamed Encouraged, some of us got some nicknames. It ain't that. <laughs> Somebody nicknames are jacked up. But this brother was so anointed in his ability to build up other people that Barnabas was called. They said, man, we're going to nickname you Encourager. So every time that somebody needs to be encouragement, we're gonna, somebody needs to be encouraged, we're going to send Brother Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas was a man. He was a man that understood this. He was a man that gave of himself. He was a man that understood service. He was a man that welcomed the opportunity because Barnabas saw that that was a blessing. Everybody say blessing in serving. So look at this. So using, so look at this. So, so by looking at some of the events in Barnabas' life, that's recorded in the book of Acts, we can learn some practical ways to encourage each other. How many of you want, to, listen, how many of you not just want to be encouraged, but you want to encourage somebody else? Does anybody just want to be that way? I'm going to give you some practical ways, some practical ways using Barnabas' life, all right, and how to encourage other folk. Look at this. Uh, number one, encouraging finances. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 through 37. And Joses who was also named Barnabas by the apostle, which is translated son of encouragement, a great name, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, look at what he did with his land, sold it, did he invest it, did he go to the stock market, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostle's feet. This, this was Barnabas, all right? This is an attitude that, that we need to have, like Barnabas. Barnabas was a man who gave, who encouraged Giving monetarily. Everybody say monetarily. Oh, come on, y'all can do it. Everybody say monetarily. The brother went, everybody say, I'm going to get that demon up out of here. Everybody say monetarily. Don't you, don't you let the devil trick you when the people start talking about your money. Don't you get funny. I'm telling you, don't, don't get funny because it ain't your money. I didn't even try to do that. That just came out there. Because I want you blessed. Come on, God wants God want you blessed. Listen to me now. So, so this brother came. He, had not, he said he sold, he sold it. He gave. He gave. How many know that there are many people that, need, that are struggling financially that if you can just come along and bless them? Listen, I'm not talking about, you know, some people when they bless, they want everybody to know they bless. You know, they're giving all. I mean, I said people, I mean, no offense. They do not, they bless somebody financially or whatever, and they want to come back and let me know. I'm like, why do you need to let me know that? I mean, honestly, I'm thinking, why? I mean, really, I, I don't need to know. You just do what you do. How many of God sees secretly, he'll reward openly? Here's what, I suggest, here's what I suggest we do. 
So, so we want to encourage people. When we see people, how many know that, that, that sometimes that when somebody got a need and, and it comes up on your radar and you have the capacity, everybody say capacity. <laughs> oh, boy, I got to work. Everybody say capacity. And you have the capacity to meet that need. How many know God expects you to help? The Bible says in, in I believe, 1 John, how do well of the love of God in you if you see your brother have lead and you don't have compassion to help and you have the ability to help, but you won't? Come on, somebody. How many, we need to be more encouraging than that. How many know that that is a way that we can encourage? We can bless somebody financially. I don't know how you do it. I don't care how you do it. But the next time, let me give you a suggestion. Next time you get a raise, how many of you get raises every now and then? Promotion. Come on, sit your hands up real high. I want to see you. Hallelujah. Instead of saying, listen to me, this is a practical way. This is a way to know that your money don't got you. And I'm not even saying put it in the church. Here's what I'm saying. Dude. Look, look at this. The next time God gives you a promotion, instead of just singing and you know, jumping up and down and, and getting happy and dancing and all that, and, and God didn't bless me, then just take a portion of that raise and say, Lord, who can I bless? Who can I encourage? You ain't going to advertise it. You ain't going to talk about it. But just say, Lord, lead me, guide me. Who can, I be, who can I be a blessing to? Listen to me. And even if you don't have a whole lot, you should take what you got and say, Lord, I'm willing to give that part of it or whatever to bless somebody else. How many know then, then we're on to something? That's the ticket to our freedom right there. So we can encourage in giving. Number two, we can encourage in service. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Then Barnabas departed from Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year, everybody say for a year, they assembled with the church and everybody. Look, look, everybody, I say everybody, please help me out, everybody. That's, that's the first thing. See, how many know we got to learn how to be respectful? Come on, come on. We're talking about the word of God. So when the man of God said everybody, everybody said, all right, everybody. It, it, listen, it, listen, it's, it's a way, it's a way, listen, that, that, that's, that shows that we're engaged. That we're engaged in this thing together. How many know we're laboring together to hear from God? I'm up here delivering, but, but how many know we're in this together? Everybody say together. together. That, that must be, I like that. That's base. That helps. All right. So, so look at this. In Acts chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, for a whole year, look at this. Um, uh, for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciple was first called Christians in Antioch. It's a powerful verse because... Another way we can encourage people in, is in serving. Barnabas, for a whole year, him and Saul, dropped what they were doing to just invest in other people. They weren't looking to get anything. They just wanted to, to invest in them, to, to help them in their spiritual growth. So for a whole year, they served those people. They served those people. How I many of uh, 1 Peter verses 4 and 10 says this. Each one has received a gift, ministered it, to one another. How many know everybody has a gift of something? Everybody does. The scripture says it. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. How many know if you got a gift this morning, whatever your gift is, God has given it to you to serve somebody else? Am I right about it? He didn't give it to you so you can put your, your, your face on a Wheaties box, see how cute you are. He gave it to you so you can go, you can serve somebody else. Amen? So you make somebody else's life better. Hebrews 10.24 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up. Everybody say stir up. Love and good works. So how many know that when we serve each other, how many know that service can be contagious? You know, how many have seen people serve with enthusiasm and joy and it makes you kind of like want to 
Help on out, man. Man, look at you. You're serving, man. You're, you're having a good, I want to get involved in that. I was watching a sister last night. She came in. She was a busy servant, and she was setting up tables, and I just, just saw enthusiasm. You know, I just saw the excitement. She was just out there. She was just, you know, just, you know, just loving it, you know, and, and I was inspired through seeing that. How I many know the people need, and one of the ways we can encourage people is figuring out a way to serve them. Figure out a way to serve. Vonnebus did it, and he was a great example. Encouragement and fellowship. Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 11, verses 22 and 24. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas uh, to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad, and he encouraged them all that with, with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. But Barnabas was an incredible man. So he encouraged in fellowship. He told them to stay in purpose, stay together. Fellowship, you know, sometimes we see brothers and sisters that have not been in church for a while. How many know, you know, every now and then people say to me, you know, Pastor, have you heard from him? And sometimes I haven't. And I ask them back, have you heard from him? And they look at me like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, give him a call. Well, me? Me? I'm supposed, I'll be, you're the pastor. You're supposed to do that. Has anybody ever thought that? Come on. I know. I know. I'm here. I know y'all come to me asking me. So here's the thing I want you to do. So when you don't see somebody, find out the number. Find some sister diver. We got a, a way that you can contact people and, and encourage them. Encourage them in fellowship. To get in fellowship. How many know fellowship is important? Fellowshipping with other believers, like-minded believers, is very, very important as it relates to your spiritual growth. And then we need to encourage them, number four, others in their walk with God. We only got 60 I'm doing them real fast. Encourage others in their walk with God. Acts chapter 11, 22 and 23. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came, he had seen the grace of God. He was glad, and he encouraged them all that with one purpose of heart, they should continue. Everybody say continue. Continue with the Lord. All right? So, so how many know that, that it's important to encourage people to walk in the Lord? How many know that we ought to be examples? If, if you're mature, how many mature believers in the house? Come on, Ray, I'm going to see who you are. Come on. I mean, you, you consider yourself mature. But you know, mature Christians, you know what that simply means? That really you are an example to everybody else. So if I'm going to encourage you in the Lord, everybody say, in the Lord, I'm going to encourage you to walk with God. So which means that I am going to live my life in such a way, I'm going to, that's what a disciple is all about. I'm going to teach you, when somebody comes to you and they got to complain and they're yelling and they're screaming about somebody did them wrong, you're supposed to be the one to help navigate that, to help encourage them in the Lord. How many know that people can get mad and get in the flesh and they come up out of the Lord? You know what I mean? They're not following the Lord because they're mad and they're angry and you didn't do anything to help it. So part of my job is, and your job is, listen, if I'm mature, I want to encourage people to walk in the Lord. So here's what I do. So here's what we do. So we always say and be an example for people to follow. All right? Ask you a question. Are you an example for people to follow in your conduct, in your speech, and how you communicate with other people, and how you deal with conflict? I even know that we all have to deal with those things in life. The question is, are you an example? So Barnabas was good. Barnabas encouraged them in the Lord. In other words, brother, stay with the Lord, brother. This is what Jesus would do. 
You know, what would Jesus do? This is what Jesus would do, brother. Jesus would do it this way. I think more of our conversation ought to be along that, those lines. Figure out a way that when somebody wants to come with something, always figure out a way to take it back to the world. What does the word of God say about that? How many know there's freedom in the word of God? Amen. There's freedom in the word of God. And then we need to encourage in, fa- in, in failure. How many know that we all fail at times? Acts chapter 13, 13. <laughs> this is interesting because everybody knows about this. Um, now, Paul, uh, now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. And then look at Acts chapter 15, verses 37 and 39. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed, them, uh, departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Now, isn't that interesting? Who was one of the first people that introduced the Apostle Paul when Paul first got saved, for those who know, you, who know the Bible? Who was one of the first people that introduced Paul to the rest of the apostles? Barnabas. Isn't it funny that, so here it is, John Mark. John Mark is serving him in the missionary work, and all of a sudden John Mark said on their first missionary journey, uh, you know, John Mark was with them. He was serving. He was serving. They were going on this missionary journey. And John Mark said, uh, I don't think I like this. I'm about to here. Brother just left. He said, have anybody ever served? You ever seen it? people that serve for a little bit? And all of a sudden, where he at? He just left. They ain't tell nobody. I'm out of here. John Mark, John Mark did a Houdini. He was gone. Brother said, man, I didn't think it was going to be all of this. I mean, Paul, I mean, all this missionary, all this spiritual stuff. It's, so the brother was gone. So then all of a sudden, they have another opportunity. Barnabas and Paul, they're doing work, and Barnabas and Paul, they see John Mark, and, and, Paul's, and, and Barnabas say, hey, Paul, I'm going to take John Mark with us on this next journey. Uh, Paul said, no, you ain't. That brother, he left us last time. Now, I can understand Paul. I can understand where you're going. Let me know it's hard to try to depend on people who don't show up. Come on. It's hard. Come on. It's hard to try. But people don't. See, I'm going to tell you, when you find faithful people, a person, or hang on to them because they're few and far between. I'm telling you. So, so this brother, Barnabas, said, Mark, I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to take you, Mark. And Paul, and the dissension was so sharp that Paul and Barnabas separated over that issue. But isn't it, no, it's, but isn't it ironic that it was Barnabas who was the one who was being the encourager? How many know that there are always going to be people that's going to fail in the body of Christ? How many know we can encourage them, people who have failed? How many know, you know, give, everybody deserves a second chance? I know some of us sometimes we look at people, oh, man, some of us, look, some of us have got some second chances, some thirds, some fourths, some fifths. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you said they don't deserve that much. How many know none of us deserve anything, really, if we really told the truth about it? But Barnabas' attitude was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a second chance. So he was an encourager that way. In fact, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul makes Paul makes a statement to bring the same John Mark. I want you to bring him to me because John Mark has proved profitable to me. Now, before Paul was upset about this brother John Mark, he deserted him. We found out later that Paul was like, "Hey, bring John Mark because he had been profitable to me." And why was he profitable? Because somebody encouraged him to stay in the fight. Somebody said, "You know what, brother? Come on, stay in the fight." I know I haven't seen why. I know it's been rough. I know you fell down 15, 20 times. But you know what? Every time you get a chance, I don't care if people fall 100 times, you keep encouraging them. You hear me? 
You keep encouraging me in the Lord and you don't stop. Then lastly, look at this. Um, encouragement to finish the work. In Acts chapter 12, verse 25. I get all of them, yeah. Uh, he says, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. And when they had fulfilled, everybody say, fulfilled their ministry, they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. How many know that we ought to never leave the job until it's finished? You know, one of the things I like about our church is, and we got folks in here that demonstrate this on a regular basis, you know, it, it can be very discouraging when uh, folks know that their stuff needs to be done and then some folks just cut out, they never finish. You, you know what I'm saying? But we got folk, man, I love it here. We got people I mean, who will stay around and they don't leave until the job is what? Finished. How many know that's the way we ought to be? Because how many know somebody, everybody came here to, ex, to receive and accept. Am I right about it? Everybody benefit from the table. And the table, the food's been really good. Ain't it getting good? Everybody benefit from the table out there, right about it? Am I right? Say amen. Everybody benefit in some way from the preaching, from the teaching, from worship, from serving in the media. I mean, the children being, I mean, no, we're all serving each other. So how many know that we ought to, as much as we can, make sure that we do our part? Everybody say our part. Be a servant. Be that way. Don't leave the job till it's finished. This is the way Barnabas was. Barnabas stayed until he fulfilled his ministry. How many know people are encouraged when they see you staying faithful? People won't quit when they see you staying faithful. How many know that good service is contagious? Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to leave you with this thought. Um, Luke 6.38, this is a verse that a lot of times we use for an offering. Um, but I want you to think about it in a, in, a, in a broader context. Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And we only look at that verse as a way, we just look at it from a monetary perspective. But I want you to understand something. It's a little bit deeper than that. How many know that Jesus says, when he says give, listen, it's not just give money. Listen, give joy, give encouragement, give help. And he says, and when you do that, he said, it'll come back to you. So I want to encourage you this morning. For your, for I asked you earlier, I said, who in here need to be encouraged? Need to be encouraged. A lot of you raised your hand. Well, here's how you do it. Go serve and encourage somebody else. You'll be free. Figure out a way to do it. Just say, well, Pastor, I don't have much. I don't, it doesn't matter. Listen, all, give what you, how many know, what's the, God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? All of us can sit here and say what I don't have, but what do you have? Serve that. Because when you do that, God will bless. That is the key to experiencing true happiness. The measure of happiness is that I discover that life is really about laying down my life and serving other people. If I can get that revelation and I can walk in that, my life will never be the same and perhaps somebody else because you will have a great impact. Amen. Amen. Amen.